0: Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I was joking with our video audience a moment ago. We do a first in 15 at DogNation.com and on the Dog Nation app when our show begins. It's 15 minutes of interaction as a lead-in. It's kind of the pregame show to the show. And I was joking with them, I think yesterday, some of y'all were upset we didn't talk more about Oscar Delp on the day before his commitment. And admittedly, there's so much going on right now that we're just going to sc- scrambling to try to get it all in, right? It's like, you know, between everything going on with the team on the field. Uh, we're doing well if we can cover all the bases there on that. You know, looking back the last game ahead of the next game and kind of everything that ge- else that goes on there, there's just so much going on. So maybe we did shortchange Delp a little bit yesterday, but we won't do that today. We will Absolutely, talk about the big situation tonight, and of course, tonight uh, on the Dog Nation video channels, we'll have live coverage of Delp, the four star tight end, as he makes his choice of possibly UGA, maybe some other uh, schools there in the mix, too. The uh, drama will be fun, and we'll follow all of that here later on this evening. I, w- I will say this that when you go back and look at the way this has played out over the course of especially the summer, the UC is set up that feels pretty familiar to all of this, but there is something about the way in which Georgia looks now on the day that Dell makes his decision that makes a recruiting announcement like this different than some of the ones we've talked about here before. So let me see if I can kind of explain why that is. And let me start with this. Let's go back to July, SEC media days, first year coach at South Carolina, Shane Beamer at the podium. And obviously, by NCAA rule, coaches can't mention prospective recruits by name. That's not allowed. You can't really hype their visits when they're on campus, although there are slight ways to kind of get around that somewhat. But for the most part, you know, it's going to be radio silence for the, for the institutions themselves when it comes to talking about recruits. But there has become this style as of late where sometimes the coach does a little bit of what I'll call a subtweet and a subtweet is when you mention someone on Twitter without mentioning them by name, but you're clearly referencing them. There's a little bit of a subtweet from Shane Beamer, the South Carolina coach, of four-star tight end Oscar Delp at SEC Media Days back in July. It's a reminder of just how big this recruiting announcement for Delp is later on today. Take a listen to Beamer.
1: Tight end position, that's a position that's near and dear to me, something that I've coached for the last five years Uh, in my career. We are always going to utilize the tight end. Every donor or booster club event that I go to, that's the one question I get asked. Are you going to throw the tight end? We are going to throw to the tight end. We want the premier tight ends in America, and that's the way that we're recruiting right now as well to go get those guys as well. We've utilized those guys in the past when I've been at Oklahoma, and we will continue to. One of those tight ends is here today in Nick Muse, a fantastic young or older player for us, and then Jaheim Bell is another one that we have high hopes for as well. But that position will always be a key part of our offense at South Carolina.
0: So most of you are aware of this, but when Beamer kind of had the pull out of and the emphasis on we want – kind of an embedded command almost the we want was a reference to South Carolina's own social media pitch for Delp there was the we want Delp they had that sp- spread really all over uh Columbia and it was a huge social media campaign we want Delp we want Delp Delp wanted was kind of a thing they did there on that so when Beamer gave the we want and the emphasis you heard that a moment ago in the midst of talking about tight ends that was fairly clearly a reference towards four-star tight end uh, Delp who will make his decision there today. But then there was also a moment a few weeks ago when Kirby Smart did something pretty similar, also talking about the tight ends. And once again, the things that he said, he's not allowed to mention Delp by name. But if Beamer's going to use his podium time at SEC Media Days to subtweet Delp, Kirby Smart, it's really not beyond uh, you know his you know uh, uh, you know repertoire to be able to kind of use his own podium time at press conferences to do something similar, reminding folks that hey, you know, tight ends are wanted at UGA, and this is a place that tight ends are going to be used. An example of that from Kirby Smart here too.
1: You know, we need. Tight ends like him, we're going be elite. We have to have more guys like him, and there's guys out there across the country that we got to get in order to be elite at uh, the tight end position. And he's become a really good weapon.
0: I forgot that was the day that the uh microphone's a little messed up or something, so it's a little bit distorted there from Kirby Smart. But you heard him say that there are tight ends across the country that we got to have if we're going to be elite. We need those elite tight ends, and you know it's fairly obvious that that's a veiled reference to Oscar Delt there as well. But here is where the thing about this being different for Georgia. We've heard Georgia say this before, right? I mean, think about when Georgia was first pursuing the Eric Gilberts, the Darnell Washingtons. Remember Theo Johnson? We talked about him for a while there as well. Todd Hartley, the tight ends coach, has been so involved in so many of these different kinds of recruitments. But there's a little bit of an uphill putt for Georgia when it comes to some of this kind of stuff because what it didn't really have to sell to someone like Oscar Delp were, on-field tangible results this was a Georgia offense that in after the 2019 season was forced to make the pitch to elite prospects of if we can get you we promise we'll use you that we're not using tight end right now because we don't have you but if we have you we'll use you and then you'll be able to go out and do all these big things in other words it was asking a guy like a a Darnell Washington or somebody like that it was asking them to kind of buy Georgia on spec the promise of, well, we haven't really used the tight end yet because we haven't any, had anybody as good as you. But once we have a tight end as good as you, then we're going to build an offense that works all the way around you. And things are just different now. And I'm not going to tell you that Georgia's the greatest offense in college football. We don't quite yet know how good Georgia's going to be over the course of the second half of the regular season and what could still be nine more games for Georgia this year. We don't quite know yet how good Georgia's going to be. But there is obviously far more to sell at Georgia right now than there ever has been in the past. So if you're Oscar Delp on decision day, and I won't presume to know what Delp is thinking about any of this, but if it's Oscar Delp on decision day, all of a sudden you don't have to speculate about what Georgia might be if you play in there. You can look at what Brock Bowers has done this season caught another big ball on Saturday against Auburn after being a huge part of the offense for the first few games there at Georgia. You know, Darnell Washington, from a size standpoint, doesn't really compare to anybody – but it's another example of what Georgia is doing at the tight end position. The fact that, you know, Washington was targeted. He got a big catch and they threw to him in the red zone. They lined up about as a wide receiver and threw to him in the red zone. He almost came up with a big catch there as well. Suddenly, Oscar Delp's not being asked to use his imagination. He's being asked to use his deductive reasoning. He's being asked to say, well, if you're doing this with these guys, then, then won't they just do the same thing with me? And the answer is, I think, probably yes. But this also goes beyond just the the, the tight end position there as well. I mean, I would imagine it's a very effective recruiting pitch when Georgia can look at the offense, year two of Todd Munkin, and say, we're down this receiver because of injury, and this receiver, and this receiver, and this receiver, and this receiver. We're down these guys due to injury, and yet we're going to take other guys that were not as heralded a recruit as you might be, whether it's Delp or anybody else, and we got big-time performances out of them. A.D. Mitchell on Saturday. By now, it's been well-documented about what Ladd McConkie did on Saturday and what McConkey has done thus far this season. That suddenly... This is a Georgia offense that just works. It's a little bit of a, you know, it's a little bit of a turnkey solution right now, where the system is in place and the guys that are put into the system are likely to have results. And, and, and frankly, there would have been a time a couple of years ago. And it doesn't. I don't take great pleasure in saying this because I don't want to troll UGA fans. But honesty compels me to admit there would have been a time in years past when the question to Kirby Smart might be. You got all this talent. How come the offense is not working? I mean, that would have been a fair question to ask, especially in 2019 when any type of production, points scored, yards gained, anything seemed like a real strain to produce any of it. And it may have been one of those things where, you know, you got talent, but why aren't the results better? And now the opposite seems to be true. All of a sudden now, because of all the injuries that have been sustained and guys were still suffering through some of that, all of a sudden now it's, You don't quite have as much talent as you thought you were going to, but how come the production is still so good? It's a totally reversed conversation around Georgia offensively than it would have been even a couple of years ago. And you got to imagine a guy like Oscar Delp notices that. In fact, Kirby Smart was essentially asked some version of that question here here this week. How come you're still producing offensively, even though you've had the injuries that you have? And the answer that Smart gave, I, I think a guy like Delp i got to imagine he's probably listening to it. Here's Kirby.
1: Well, I think spring practice, number one, was a big help because the guys who have contributed were here in the spring, um, and they got a lot of experience in the spring. Year two in the system for a lot of the other guys, um, guys that are playing. Obviously, Kiaris is a, is kind of a vet now. He's been in the system. Lad's been in the system for really his second year. Uh, AD's been in the system for spring and fall. It allows them to be successful. And, you know, the run game allows them to be successful because some of the plays that we're hitting are play-action plays. And as long as they're able to honor that and be successful in the run game, and that – that's a you know our goal is 5.5 a rush that doesn't mean we're going to rush the ball for five and a half yards a time but if we can be effective and stay ahead of the chains it allows us to be effective in the in the play action pass game and I think the play action pass game has helped our lack of depth and receiver succeed along with our depth at running back and tight end. you know there was I don't know 20 percent 30 percent 40 percent I don't know what it was snaps that we we had 13 in the game the other day so that's that's you know us three tight ends and um, fortunate we've been able to get guys back there and be a little more healthy to take some of that burden off the wide receivers.
0: I mean, you might think the part that Delt would gravitate to is the fact they had three tight ends in the game. Maybe he does notice that, maybe he enjoys that, but it's really the first portion of that quote that matters to me, that for now, the Georgia offense is working the way that it's supposed to. The rushing attack is gaining those yards, which allows the team, at least in Kirby Smart's view of this, to set up the kind of play-action pass that allows – wide receivers and pass-catching targets to get big catches there as well, that suddenly everybody is, to use vernacular that's been used around Georgia before, suddenly everybody's getting to eat. Uh, tight ends are getting to eat, wide receivers are getting to eat. It doesn't matter if they just arrived in the program, have only been here a year, or if they're only for the first time this season getting uh, extensive playing time, that right now the offense seems to work for those who are given the chance to work in it. There was a time in the past where a four-star tight end would be told at, uh, you know when he's being recruited by Georgia, use your imagination and think about how you might be utilized in our offense. That imagination isn't quite as necessary anymore. Now you can point to actual tangible results and say our offense is getting something out of the guys who get a chance to play and as it gets healthier during the rest of the regular season you may see even more results but suddenly you don't need quite so much imagination for a guy like Oscar Delp to think about how he could be used at a place like Georgia. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, and good to have you with us here today. No matter how you get to us, we start at 945 on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app for our first and 15, then it's Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, after that, all kinds of video platforms at 10 a.m. Of course, a podcast, that's an on-demand audio situation, you can listen to that anytime you want to, and we're on all the podcast platforms, and we're happy to be so, including uh, right there on Apple, the spotify everything else on the radio at noon on athens sports radio 960 ref just really really happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us uh, we try to make as many platforms as possible and we are so thankful that so many of you have chosen to make this a part of your routine as you get ready for the upcoming weekend and the fun season that Georgia's in the midst of thanks for allowing us to be a part of that here with you and of course we'll try to make good use of your time here today it's mike griffith coming up in just a little bit Uh, We'll get a uh, practice report with Mike Griffith, uh, courtesy of our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau. We'll get into the good injury news that maybe Georgia got a bit yesterday, the situation at quarterback, what's ongoing there with that. We'll talk about all of that with Mike. Before we're done today, we'll also get a chance to hear Kirby Smart, in his own words, uh, discuss what's happening with JT Daniels right now and what he did and did not do at practice here this week. We'll do all that here coming up in just a little bit it's a uh, practice report with uh, Mike Griffith presented by Georgia Farm Bureau. We'll get that there in a little bit. Uh, For now, though, for a couple of minutes before we talk to Mike, let me go around the doghouse. And it's presented today by our friends at Rooms to Go. And here's one of the things I'm going to do before the week is done. I was going to maybe try to do this today. I'm just going to have time to. There was a really good story at 538.com, which is like the math nerd site, you know, like the analytics type deal. And they were talking about how you know the Georgia defense might end up being the best defense ever on the basis of their metrics. This is a this is a good story. It's worth spending more time on than I have a chance to do today. So let me push that aside for right now. Let me focus on something else here for a moment. So Kirby Smart was asked yesterday to address once again something that's been talked about a lot, which is the fact that Georgia's having this great success let's just stay on defense here for a moment georgia's having this great success defensively but because of the multitude of guys who are playing really well there's not any one guy that stands out above the rest there's not any one guy that's head and shoulders above the rest right now and that's amazing to maybe you and me and other fan other media other whatever else but to Smart, he says that's not really all that remarkable to him. And he talked about why yesterday. And this is important for where we want to go next. Here's Kirby Smart on the lack of superstars on his current defense.
1: I don't ever think of the players as stars. I just, I mean, I don't see it that way. I just see it as a team without an ego. And um, they, they buy in. And, you know, we, we've got good football players by all means. We've got good football players. We've got guys that are going to be draft picks. But, uh you know, we don't have a guy that's. I, I don't feel like we've ever had that guy. Cause even with Nick and Sony, they shared a lot of that spotlight. And um, I don't, you know, I, I don't get into the star part. I, I, I sell team values, and we do that through the offseason. season. And I feel like this group is really bought into that. They don't, they don't really want that. There's nobody out there that's saying, "Look at me, look at me. I need more attention." They, they, they deflect it. I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't want to go through the media. They don't want to go do those things. They wanna, they, they, they wanna win what they want to do, and that's
0: what matters. I mean, you love that, the idea of a team that wants to win more so than it wants to get individual accolades, and I certainly appreciate Smart's appreciation for that and his celebration of it right there, which is really the reason why, and I say this half-kiddingly and half-seriously, right? On the one hand, we're having some fun. Yesterday, if you listen to the show or watch the show, we talked about a push to make Jordan Davis a Heisman finalist. We think that would be a really fun thing to do as a representation of everything that Smart just said there, and it's really important to mention this that the reason why you select Davis for this is not because he's head and shoulders the best player in this Georgia defense. It's hard to be head and shoulders the best player on a defense that's so talented. The reason why you select Davis for a situation like this is because nobody stands as the embodiment of what Smart just talked about more than Davis himself. How many times have you heard Jordan Davis say it? I don't care about my stats. I am happy to occupy blockers and let everybody else get the stats. In fact, I know I'm playing well if the guys around me are getting stats. So if Smart says this is a superstarless defense, even though there's a ton of high-level draft picks on here, if Smart says this is a defense that's more worried about winning games, and, and really, as it represents the entire team, a team that's more worried about winning games than it is doing media and, and generating attention and all the stuff that goes along with that, if that's really true, Davis, I think, stands as the picture of that. He is the physical representation of what Kirby Smart says he likes about his team, and uh, his defense there as well, which is all the more important reason for guys like us. I'm talking about someone like me who speaks into a microphone for a living, and uh, you guys and gals who, who listen to us here each and every day. For for all of us to kind of notice this and celebrate it, you know, let me hype up a guy so he doesn't have to hype. He doesn't have to hype himself up. Let me give somebody the attention he deserves because he's too humble to seek it himself, and that's kind of what we do here. And so we did start this yesterday that. In a year in which the Heisman situation right now seems more wide open than it normally does. A lot of times there's this front-running quarterback on this front-running team, and it's fairly obvious that guy's going to win the Heisman. There's really very little you can do about it. This is not really one of those kind of years. This is one of those years where the Heisman trophy right now just seems more wide open than it's been. So all the more reason to do what needs to be done. The story of the first half of the season, there's no question about it. As I mentioned before, you've got even non-sports sites like 538, the analytics outfit, even they've written about the Georgia defense. The story of the first half of the season has been the dominance of the Georgia defense. The reason that Georgia's ranked number one right now is because its defense is basically impenetrable. You can't really score on them at all, and a representative from that Georgia defense, it only seems appropriate that person would get the end-of-season nod and have a chance to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. And so that's what we said we want for Jordan Davis. We started yesterday the hashtag JD to NYC. In other words, get Davis to New York City as a Heisman finalist. And I got to tell you, Stuff like this just makes me really happy. I love the way that Georgia fans have responded to all of this. So here's a part of Around the Doghouse presented by Rooms to Go. Can we just bounce through a few of these and kind of show this off? First of all, Frankie Fibonacci checks in. We talked yesterday about the idea that if Davis goes to New York, a la Herschel Walker, you know, Uga's going with him. So Frankie Fibonacci uh, shows off uh, Ugga here. Now, I hate to take away from Rooms to Go for a moment, but can we pull that uh, – Lower third down for a moment, just so you can see a little bit more. I guess you can't quite see all of the tucks there from Ugga. But nonetheless, that photo from Frankie is Ugga and his tucks. Uh, he gives you the hashtag JD to NYC. Love that. Ugga10 going along with him would be great. How about Andrew102385, uh, the dude and Drew, uh, dude Andrew on Twitter? He gives you the hashtag JD to NYC. Appreciate the dude Andrew doing that. Let's see who else is checking in here. Bark a lot gives you a nice combination. Heisman Trophy on the one side, Jordan Davis with the finger in the air on the other. Boy, Jordan Davis for Heisman, JD to NYC. Good to see Barkalot participating there. Tim checks in. uh, That's uh, E-B-E-S 2121 on Twitter. The country is wondering where uh, number 99 is. This is actually a response to uh, ESPN that put out its list of Heisman finalists on Twitter and didn't have Davis mentioned. Tim jumped all over them for that. The hashtag get JD to NYC. Uh, good stuff from uh, Tim. Mike Smith checking in to say, don't forget hashtag JD to NYC for big number 99. Uh, and he uh, shouts out us at Dog Nation Daily for doing that, Mike. We appreciate that. Jeff Anderson checks in. He gives you the hashtag JD to NYC with a great uh, gift there of uh, Davis giving that hulking pose after a big play defensively appreciate jeff anderson participating in that our buddy mark morris also checked in with the hashtag jd to nyc he also mentioned some other georgia players that might be in line for some season ending awards but he gives you the hashtag jd to nyc mark appreciate that and our buddy tiny bassin uh checks in too he gives a hashtag JD to NYC. He's got Ugg and the tux next to Jordan Davis, Heisman Trophy in front of him. It's really a pretty good picture of what that would look like there at the Downtown Athletic Club if that all goes down. So uh, Tiny Bassin doing a pretty good job on that too. And that's the last one. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so lots of good participation, lots of folks getting on board here. We appreciate the sport. This is kind of just for fun, right? But it is a fun thing to do. And I think it's a deserving thing. Not because Davis stands head and shoulders above everybody else, although he does stand physically head and shoulders above above almost everybody, but because he is the perfect representation of the team first attitude. This Georgia defense has displayed all season long. That's the kind of guy that should be in New York City Let's get Jordan Davis to New York. Let's make him a Heisman finalist. Let's see if this social media push can actually uh, succeed in doing just that as Davis continues to be a leader for this Georgia defense the rest of the way here. That's around the doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Rooms to Go, and obviously one of the things that you love is a comfortable home, and one of the things that makes your home feel more comfortable is not just how the furniture feels, but how it looks there as well. That's where Rooms to Go steps in because Rooms to Go can furnish an entire room for you that's why it's called rooms to go they've been famous that for a long time but sometimes though it's not the entire room that you need maybe it's just a piece of furniture something to lay on to sit on or something just to look at that looks nice complementing everything else that you've got going on the room sometimes it's just an accent piece whatever else rooms to go can do all that for you it's the living room it's the it's the dining room it's the bedrooms it's for your children's rooms which is always kind of a fun thing outdoor furniture there as well so many folks now using that outdoor space in their home and getting the most out of that good quality outdoor furniture is a big part of that which is where rooms to go comes in as well you can start your shopping experience online at rooms to go.com that's the word to spelled out to rooms to go.com or you can stop by and see them in a rooms to go showroom there today take advantage of everything they have for you great savings great options entire rooms furniture pieces accent pieces decor everything else, rooms to go.com or a rooms to go showroom there today. It's great to have rooms to go furnishing around the doghouse for us here today. All right, before we're done, we will hear Kirby Smart in his own words on the subject of JT Daniels, what he did do in practice and has done up to this point this week, what he has not done as of yet. And we will attempt to decipher what that means for Georgia coming up on Saturday as the dogs get ready for a big showdown against the Kentucky Wildcats. So all of that is on the way before we're done. But for now, on everything else involving UGA, preparations for the Wildcats, what's happening at practice, maybe some good news in the injury front. Let's cover it all right now. It's a practice report presented by our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau with Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So to Mike Griffith here, it's a uh, Dog Nation practice report presented by Georgia Farm Bureau as Georgia gets ready to take on Kentucky on Saturday. And Mike, we'll get to quarterbacks here in a little bit, as I'm sure you would expect to. But before that, uh, hearing from Kirby yesterday, uh, also people you've talked to there as well, seems like Georgia may be getting a little healthier here. Good news on the injury front. What can you tell us on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, Tykey Smith, you know, played, had three tackles in very limited time. I mean, I think Taiki is a an impact player, you know, a fast-twitch guy. And, you know, Kirby said you got to be careful bringing him back because he does do so much in coverage. But he's also a real downhill run-stop guy. And, uh, you know, boy, Tykey would be the perfect prescription for a, a very physical, uh, ground-oriented Kentucky attack. I know they say they can throw the ball, but – you know, their bread and butter is still Chris Rodriguez. And, you know, to have someone like Tyke coming up, especially when you think about Chris Smith and the injuries he's got with that shoulder popping out, you know, I think if Kirby could avoid playing Smith, he would. Um, you want to have him ready for Florida or as ready as possible. Um, you know, not the most physical guy to begin with, but, uh, you know, you put Smith back there with scene and and you move Brady to the star, uh, you know, that's something, you know, to, to really, excuse me, move Brady to safety with Dan Jackson. I mean, that's a pretty physical secondary all of a sudden. And then Marcus rosemey Saint, who I, I think Kirby felt could have gone last Saturday. They held him out one more week. Uh, you know, He's a little bit closer now. He rotates at that X spot with the Donnie Mitchell. Uh, heard that Jermaine Burton uh, is up to speed but still not getting the volume. Uh, boy, he has really been an injury-prone guy. Uh, Lad McCocky stepped right into his shoes at the Z last week, and I think everybody forgot about Jermaine Burton by the end of that game. Uh, but I do think Burton could be back this week. Uh, we know he's a playmaker when he's out there. Um, you know, pretty talented guy. Jamari Saylor, a, a, another guy that Kirby said thought you know, worked some reps, not up to the volume yet, um, but still, you know, um, you know, doing some good things. And I think that Jermaine, or excuse me, I think that Jamari could be ready to go at left tackle. Uh, you just wonder how much Broderick Jones played well uh, against Auburn. So those are. You know, that's probably the good news there on the injury front, B.A.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny. I'm going to be careful how I say this because, obviously, injuries are never a good thing. But for all the bad injury luck George has had, the way the injuries unfolded on Saturday, the timing of it was at least okay, right, in that, okay, if you lose Christopher Smith at safety, all of a sudden now, Tyke Smith's waiting to come in and spell you at star, which allows Brainy, who has cross-trained that spot, to slide over there to, the st- to safety. Had that injury happened, The injury to Smith happened a couple of weeks ago. Georgia probably would have been in a pretty big bind there, but given the fact they could bring in Smith to the star position and Brini's comfortable at safety, at least the timing-wise that worked out okay. And maybe the same thing with Broderick Jones too – in that, you know, if if Salyer leaves a game a couple of weeks ago, who knows if Jones is as ready to perform as he seemed to be on Saturday, just a little bit more seasoned, maybe a little bit more, you know, game ready because of what's been going on both in games when he has been playing and obviously in practice leading up to that, that you're never happy to see players injured, but given the timeline for when these injuries occurred on Saturday, Georgia at least had capable guys to to slide in those spots at both safety and uh, at left tackle.
2: Yeah, you know, complete opposite of last year when, when all the injuries happened, you know, right before the Florida game. And, you know, I've said it before, you know, the schedule and when you play teams has so much to do with how things worked out. And, you know, in the SEC office dealt Georgia just a horrible schedule last year with that stretch of physical games leading into Florida and then you know Florida you know with the two missed head was off two out of the three weeks before they played Georgia I mean it was a perfect storm um, you know I, I don't think that's going to happen this year so the, the schedule has fallen really favorably for Georgia with the exception of the Clemson game obviously when, when Georgia played Clemson I don't think anybody realized that that you know Clemson's offense wasn't really cl- it's not the same Clemson offense now by the way they've lost several players and, and players on defense it's not the same Clemson team um, but but that was a tough game. That was a tough opener. But other than that, you know, Georgia has caught teams at exactly the right time,
1: coming off emotional
2: highs. You know, Kentucky now down a couple D linemen. This isn't the same Kentucky. Uh, you know, their number two receivers out. I, I just I just you know this is this is not a Kentucky team that poses uh, much of a threat in my opinion.
0: How about a quarterback, uh, Mike? We're going to hear from Kirby Smart later on what he said yesterday, but it sounds like. Daniels was limited on Tuesday at practice. I typically think of that as the most important practice of the week. And so my assumption is that if Daniels is limited on Tuesday, that means he's also going to be limited on Saturday there as well. My assumptions on Daniels have also been wrong before too. So I'm going to be careful all the way around here. But what do you think about what to expect from the Bulldogs, that position on Saturday? And obviously the caveat to all this is, is that Stetson Bennett had a very good game against Auburn. But what do you make of of the Bulldogs at that spot right now?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people need to be careful. I think they need to realize this isn't JT's call. I mean, this is Ron Corson that's moderating the reps. And, you know, if JT had to play or could play, you know, if it's up to him, he would. But, you know, it's kind of stupid to throw somebody out there, you know, if they can risk, you know, re-injuring themselves. I mean, you want to have, you know, JT at 100 for when you need to throw the ball. I mean, Stetson Bennett is not going to fade back in the pocket and pick teams apart. I'd say there's probably only one or two teams, maybe maybe, that he would start for, if not Georgia. Maybe. You know, JT Daniels, you're, you're talking about one of the top five quarter, college quarterbacks in the country, and, you know, the third down numbers show that. They're just a different team. And, you know, Stetson's done a great job, and I think he's operated well. The play-action-run game, I think he works really well. I like his mobility. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, ultimately you need, I think you need JT back. I think it was Eric Zier, felt like. Eric Zier said he felt like you need JT to win it all. I agree. When you, when, you, when you finally run up against a team that that can actually do something, and there's, probably, there's only probably a couple, you know, and I, as I look out there over the landscape of, what, you know, who are some teams that could expose, uh, you know, the weaker areas of the Georgia defense? And there's only a couple, right? They're going to throw at Breenie and they're going to throw at Ringo. Who are the two guys, who are the two teams that I see Alabama possibly still out there as a threat and uh, out there nationally? I don't, I don't think Iowa. I'm not I'm not drinking that juice. Uh, I'd say Ohio State is still the team in the Big Ten based on what I've seen early. But uh, to your point, uh, you know, look, if you're Kirby smart and you can beat Kentucky with Stetson Bennett and you give JT one week off, you're really giving him two weeks off because you've got to buy the following week. And that, that to me would be the logic for why you would continue to really keep JT reeled in. Now what's curious is that, you know, Kirby kind of bounces all over, and you've told me this before, B.A., Said you know, hey, you've got to understand why the fans would be frustrated uh, because Kirby keeps sending mixed messages. I mean, he keeps changing the story. He, he says before the Auburn game that he was throwing without pain and he could go if he needed to, and then he came back you know this week and said, well, you know he's you know he's limited and he can throw up to thirty yards, and and, and then he says you know that uh, you know he, he's better than he was a week ago, but then he's still not doing very much. I mean, it's just a lot of a lot of mixed messages. And I think it's probably intentionally vague, and and there probably is a large degree of vagueness to it. I, I said a I said a long time ago that this quarterback situation would be fluid, and uh, and and it is. And you know, there's just so many dumb people that are. Oh, he's just not a tough guy. I, I mean, they, I don't know if they missed the last four games of the year, but JT Daniels got his ass kicked last year. I mean, he got beat up at Mississippi State. He got hit hard against Missouri. Cincinnati was in his grill all day. This isn't a toughness issue. This is an injury issue. And it's like a pitcher trying to throw with a strain. I mean, you know, these guys are throwing fastballs. And you're trying to throw a ball 50, 60 yards downfield, you, you can't have the hand on the hot stove effect. It doesn't work. It's not like a, a lineman, you know, playing through pain. You know, it's the quarterback. It's a finesse position, It's especially when we're talking about uh, a quarterback like JT, whose game is accuracy, marksmanship. Um, so I don't think it's number one. I don't think it's JT's decision. I think he's being managed by Ron Corson. Number two, if you can rest the guy and you've got a capable guy in there, it's like Kenny McIntosh. You know his hamstring was tight last week. Well, it wasn't pulled. It was just tight. So you sit him. Say it's fine. We got three other three other running backs. You know Kirby's got to try to manage this roster because you look at the injury report, BA. You got 18 guys that range between probable and out for the
0: season. So I want to get in the weeds on this for a moment, and I don't mean to be tedious, but I do think it matters. That in the situation with Daniels, like I'm not quite so sure how vague this has been the last few weeks. My understanding is, and some of this is actually based on your own reporting, Mike, that Daniels has been limited at practice for at least the last three weeks. Now, who knows, you know, what it was before that, but for at least the last three weeks, Daniels has been limited at practice. And as far as this being a Georgia decision led by Ryan Corson or a Daniel's decision on his own, you know, maybe this is a semantic thing one way or another, but smart has said that when it comes to this lat injury or maybe even the oblique injury that was the initial thing here, that it does come down to a pain tolerance issue. So they're asking him, my assumption is this is where I'm this is where I'm adding my own assumptions into this. They're asking him when he's throwing, are you able to throw without pain? And I, I totally agree with you that, if you're not able to make all the throws that a J.T. Daniels would typically make, then you're not really J.T. Daniels anymore, and it's probably best to rest until you can be that guy you've been before. You've got to be able to deliver the football. That's what makes J.T. Daniels J.T. Daniels. But ultimately, it is his comfort level with this injury and being able to deliver the football that's determining how much he's going during the week, which would then determine how much he plays on Saturday, right?
2: No. What, what, what Kirby said last night was he's on a pitch count. So basically what he's saying is they're going to control how many, like he said, Monday he threw 30 or 40 passes. And That's, that's controlled by Ron Corson. How many throws do you make? And then the next day they say, is there any pain, you know, or, you know is there any swelling or is there any pain? He said the good news is the last couple of days there hasn't been any. But he's still been on this pitch count. And it has to do with the length and the velocity of the throws that they're managing. And they're 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 working their way up. You know, the last thing you want to do is you know have a heavy bullpen rotation and go. Oh my gosh, we just, you know <laughs> he's re-injured again. You know, another three weeks of rest, right? So they're kind of inching this along. I mean, this is a championship season. If you're Kirby Smart, you've got to manage this quarterback room perfect. I mean, you really do. The last thing you want to see is Stetson Bennett against Alabama and lose a shootout in the SEC championship game because JT Daniels was rushed back too soon. And, and I'm not saying that would happen. I, I, I don't know what would happen if, if, if Stetson was a quarterback against Alabama. I, you know, the Alabama that I see right now looks beatable, right? But, but who knows where they're going to be in a couple months with more experience. You know, the Georgia team I see right now looks unbeatable. But who knows where they're going to be in another six or seven games. But the idea is to be, you know, at your best, with your best in that SEC title game. And right now, uh, you know, with JT having some limitations, they're going to be really, really careful with him. And and he's got to be smart about it, too. I mean, you, you can't be selfish and put yourself back out there and then get yourself re-injured. I mean, that's that's one of the worst things, um, you know, that that a, that a player can do. And, and I don't – like I said, I, you know, the, the, the fans that I see turning on JT, it's unbelievable. I, I can't believe how many people turn on these kids. I mean, they, they turned on Stetson Bennett. Now we're seeing some people turn on – it's like – are these fans? I mean, are these really Georgia fans? I'm looking at our page on our Facebook and some of the comments. Via, and I'm just like, these aren't the people I'm used to seeing. I have new fans coming along or French fans, but calling out players and saying they're not tough and don't want to play, that's preposterous. I mean, that program over there is, is so finely tuned and so difficult to be a part of. You can't be a part of the Georgia team if you're not all in. And, and I don't want to give you any examples, but there's some out there. Right You've seen some guys leave the program It's some guys that couldn't hang. I'm just saying it is a tough, tough place and and there's a standard of excellence over there, and uh, everybody's all in there's there's nobody ducking or laying low cause they don't want to play. That's a part of the Georgia program. You don't come to Georgia with if you're that sort of player.
0: All right, very quickly, one more on this, and I' gotta ask you about something else before we get ready to move on here. Last week, I asked you if you thought that the Daniels injury storyline could be in the past tense by the time the season ended in other words could Georgia move past this or would it last all season long here we are another week later and it's still a very hot topic of conversation and it seems more likely than not it leads Daniels not to play this Saturday against Kentucky do you change your opinion at all uh, about whether or not this injury storyline lingers for Daniels for the rest of the year
2: yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, that's the rest of the year is a long way off the a. You know, I think once J.T.'s back under center, I mean, all questions get answered pretty quickly. I mean, uh, uh, Georgia's just a different team with them out there. I mean, look, you know, I think you've thrown 30 passes in the last two games combined, right? And with J.T., you're, you're a pass-first team. You threw 30 passes against South Carolina himself. So it, it's a different football team with J.T. out there. Uh, some teams you can run against. I mean, as Kirby said, Auburn was a smallish front um they were able to run the ball on Auburn. Um he said he believes Kentucky's gonna be a little bit more of a challenge. I don't know. Kentucky's missing their two best defensive linemen, so I've got some questions about that. Um, you know, it kind of looks like a toothless bunch of Wildcats to me, you know, like I said, missing it you know, they got one guy that's caught more than ten passes. One. So it, you, you can you you're not gonna get to Georgia's weak spot in the secondary with only one receiver. This quarterback had huge turnover issues at the start of the year. Um, Leopard don't change spots, right? Had a couple good games. He, he doesn't know what he's in for with that Sanford Stadium noise and this defensive front. I mean, they're going to absolutely destroy and wreck Kentucky. Offensively, I don't know what they're going to do, but they'll do enough. You score 17. We saw it last year. We saw this act last year. They won 14 to three. Was I think he threw? I think Stetson threw two picks last year. It was a bloody game. It was a physical game, but you beat Kentucky last year without having a really good game offensively. Uh, at a minimum, at a minimum, you could do that again. At a maximum, um, you know the play-action game gets going, and and you can have some downfield success with with guys like McConkie emerging. I think Darnell Washington continues to gain momentum, and uh, AD Mitchell looked good to me at that X spot. Now Rosemi Jack Saints back, so and and don't, don't forget Brock Bowers. I mean, I, I guarantee you that uh, Todd Munkin hasn't. So to me, this looks like a pretty easy win. Uh, and to your question i I do think it'll get solved before the end of the year. um when I don't know does it does it happen this weekend does j t get a little work? I don't know it florida uh, i I don't know uh, Tennessee, not sure you know Charleston is that the name of that terrible team that George's playing?
0: i think, it's technically, charleston. I think it's technically charleston southern i think it's technically what it is it's a uh, mike griffith is <laughs> part of a uh, georgia farm bureau practice reporting on dog nation delhi here today and obviously for so many of you working so hard each and every week one of the things that's important to you is the vehicle that gets you to work each and every week you need dependable transportation and you need dependable auto insurance provider for that transportation this is one of the things that georgia farm bureau understands very well they've been keeping their promises to their Uh, auto insurance customers since 1959. They take good care of you. They got friendly uh, representatives, local claims agents, folks right there on the scene, able to uh, work with you right there and handle anything that you might have going on. That is what Georgia Farm Bureau is famous for, and that's what they can do for you. Great protection for one of the things that matters to you more than anything, your automobile, your transportation. That's what Georgia Farm Bureau can do. You can find out more about them. Check them out at gfbinsurance.com. That's gfbinsurance.com com you can find out more about georgia farm bureau today serving the communities all across this great state of georgia for such a long time mike quick final thought from you here we heard heard you on the kentucky side i don't necessarily disagree with any of that you know it's impressive wins back-to-back weeks for kentucky against lsu and florida and really two different kinds of performances uh against the gators and the tigers both name brand type wins there you know the the early season games for Kentucky were probably not great not great against Chattanooga for instance uh the Missouri game a little closer and you know Missouri's turned out not to be very good so I think Kentucky is still difficult to know exactly what to make from them but on the other side as a final thought from you what do you want to see from Georgia on Saturday CBS 330 showdown number one next to Georgia's name game days back in the building again what do you want to see showcased by Georgia going into that bye
2: yeah, the run game continued to improve. Uh, you know, I was impressed with Zamir White in the last game. Um, you know, I, I think Zamir has has turned it up a notch, and you know, I've been waiting to see that. And, you know, I hadn't seen that same that missile mentality. I'd seen that dance and that stutter step, and you just you know just stop. You know, but boy, uh, the way he hit the line at 100 miles an hour, that was the best version of Zamir White I've seen. And I know there wasn't a 80 yard run, and I know there wasn't any dazzling spin move. But just in terms of his efficiency, um, I was really impressed with Zamir in the red zone particularly. And are we going to see that guy every week now? Because that guy, that guy uh, can play in the NFL. And I hadn't seen that. So I think, I think something's happened there. I want to see that continue for Zamir. I'm excited for him. But, boy, the, the, George has given him a lot of opportunities. And, man, he's, he's finally cashing in. James Cook uh, continues to run tough and impress me. Uh, It's been a different cook this year, all the off-field things, the immaturity thing. I think that's all behind him. Kirby's been saying he's a great leader. It's showing up on the field. Um, You know, Kendall Milton is having his moments now. I think you're going to have a very fresh and healthy Kendall Milton. So I want to see that running game get better. I think it's been adequate, but it hasn't been dynamic. Uh, Part of that's on the line, but part of that's been on the runners. They haven't been breaking runs at the second level. Uh, right now, Stetson Bennett has the longest run of the season at 30 yards, halfway through the year. Okay, that's that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen. Uh, so hopefully, the second half of the year, this will be the start of the running game starting to assert itself more. Uh, that the offensive line, um, you know, kind of getting a little bit more, uh, you know, congruent continuity. Now that they've started to play more together, very impressed with Cedric Van Pran against Auburn. By the way, I want to continue to see Lad, Mon- Lad McConkey emerge. Uh, he's an explosive, dynamic player, blue-collar player. You can count on him. like seeing him out there. And and I want to see the big O. I want to see Darnell. Darnell is, is just, to me, is just an absolute monster. He will strike fear in in the heart and mind of defensive coordinators because who and how in the world do you cover this big man? So I want to see more zero out there as he gets into better football shape.
0: All right, Mike, good stuff. Thanks for being here today. We'll look forward to catching up with you again here very soon as part of a Georgia Farm Bureau practice report, and we will uh, chat with you on down the line. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, we'll transition now, get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. Let me just say this real quick. You know, Mike mentions backlash against JT Daniels. I don't really feel like I've seen that. I'm, you know, fairly o- online trying to follow what you all are saying. I don't really think I've, I've seen that too much. But it is one of the things that, you know, we, we try to, you know, take very seriously around here, which is that, you know, on, on this show where I have control of the content, like the one thing we're never going to do – is we're never going to play favorites. We're never going to pick one guy over the other and praise that guy and trash this other guy or pit them against each other because there's so much that goes on behind the scenes when it comes to a, a football program. They just don't know what's going on. And like we are we are very slow to blame anyone for being hurt or you know, unable to play whatever else because there's just a lot about those kinds of situations that um you know that can't be known if you're on the outside of the program looking in we're just very slow to do that whether it be quarterback or wide receiver or really any position on the field we're just very slow to do that There are going to be good days for georgia and when there are we'll praise them There are going to be bad days for georgia and when it's not a good day for UGA, we're going to point it out but when it comes to some of the individual stuff involving the players we're going to be pretty careful with how we use our language around here uh as as just i think the uh, appropriate nature would dictate there on that cruising around the sec now it's uh, presented by our friends at royal caribbean boy you're talking about a great time to get away with royal caribbean they provide that great chance for you to do that right now and one of the places that you love to get away to and if you have not checked this out you need to make sure you do perfect day coco okay so many of the great royal caribbean cruises Provide this private island right there in the Bahamas for you, which is like unlike anything you've ever seen before. It's just loaded with features and amenities that make it so much fun. Tallest water side of North America, largest freshwater pool in the Bahamas, 450 foot helium balloon that takes you straight up in the air and gives you a beautiful, like, panoramic view of the uh, area around there. Got these floating cabanas. It's all just really fun and it's a big part of so many of the cruise getaways that you can get as a part of royal caribbean in fact so many of those cruises also leave at a port canaveral which is i'm sitting right here in the atlanta area that's just a short drive what is it like six hours something like that you can just take a nice short easy drive be right there uh at the port canaveral and get on a great looking ship and have really the vacation of a lifetime and you can do that with royal caribbean today And in, in fact take the next step to learn more about this uh, check out my friends at the True the Cruise and Vacation Authority. A couple of uh, dog alumni are the owners there. They are also dedicated to your cruise experience and making it so much fun with Royal Caribbean. You can get in touch with them, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. Or you can give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. A friendly voice will greet you on the other side from the Cruise and Vacation Authority and tell them that Dog Nation Daily sent you there to book a Royal Caribbean cruise, and I know that'll be a good time all the way around. All right, so let's do this here as we are cruising around the SEC, and we will look at some of these Heisman odds. This comes via the DraftKings Sportsbook, just a uh, uh, just a just uh, an outlet that's got some of these uh, odds up here for you right now. Uh, Matt Corral Bryce Young both your favorites here they are two to one right now slightly above two to one to win the award which goes back to what I was saying before at Jordan Davis if all you got to beat is Bryce Young who I would say by Alabama quarterback standards is having a pretty nondescript season and Matt Corral who's already been on a team that's lost and I would say is going to lose again before the season's done if those are your clear favorites right now that's an opportunity that exists in the case of Bryce Young even though we're getting late into the Heisman process by then, that's a chance for this Georgia defense to actually best Bryce Young to get that. Wouldn't it be appropriate if Young is the favorite right now and Georgia gets the win against Young in December that one of the Georgia defense players that helped shut him down getting the nod there, wouldn't Wouldn't that seem to be somewhat, a fa- uh, you know, you know, somewhat appropriate to have ha- have that play out? Sounds like it would to me. A couple of your other guys here, C.J. Stroud is at 9-1 to right now. Desmond Ritter, the Cincinnati quarterback, he's at 16-1. to Bishan Robinson the Texas running back, is eighteen uh, to one. Trevion Henderson, the uh, Ohio State running back, which is actually it's actually a fairly interesting play right now at thirty-five to one for Henderson, the Ohio State running back. So uh, Brian Robinson, the Alabama running back, sixty to one. You got Spencer Rattler at seventy-five to one. I'm not even sure he's the Oklahoma starting quarterback anymore. And if you're interested, Zamir White's at hundred to one right now. So there, uh, interesting some interesting stuff kind of playing out with all of that as a part of your Heisman odds that's where crews run the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean right now I saw where Tennessee has got its checkerboard end zone they're going to do the 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 checkerboard they're going to check I think they call it checkering needle is that what they call it what is the thing they call that they're gonna do the checkerboard the orange and the white uh in the stands on Saturday for the game against Ole Miss and this is a very interesting game because Ole Miss is fresh off of one of the most emotional games of the year and the way that Ole Miss has been trolling Arkansas on Twitter unmercifully since the win last Saturday clearly lets you know that game between those two teams mattered last week. Now you got to go on the road to a Tennessee team that's turned out to be better than you would have expected. This is pretty interesting, and it sounds like Tennessee from a – fan perspective, atmosphere perspective. We haven't had a lot of big games in Neyland Stadium in recent years. They have had, and it's been no secret, they've had a hard time selling tickets there. Uh, I know when Georgia was last there in 2019, as many Georgia fans uh, could have been there as wanted to. Remember, there was all, all the talk about Georgia was going to try to do its own version of the checkerboard there with the red and black, and we said at the time. that You just couldn't get enough fans in the stadium to do that. It, it, just mathematically, logistically, that was going to be way too hard to be able to pull that off, but that's just how how bad it was for Tennessee at the time they couldn't get their own fans in the stadium Georgia fans thought they're going to take over the entire ballpark uh, which was going to be a difficult thing to do but that's not really the case on Saturday Tennessee fans are kind of back now they are buying into Josh Heupel for right now as I've readily admitted you know I'm slow to change my mind but when I get one really wrong I'm forced to really bite it and in the case of Tennessee I had them as one of the two or three worst teams in the SEC through the first half of the season that has not been the case admittedly I was wrong on that so credit here to uh, Tennessee, and very, very curious to see if that continues here for the rest of the season with Ole Miss coming in on Saturday there to Neyland Stadium, the checkerboard crowd, the the orange, the white, and all the different sections. Pretty interesting to see. One quick final SEC through story. So Keishawn Butte, the LSU wide receiver, now out for the rest of the season. um Boy, I don't know, man. It is a mess. It is a mess. You got Florida going to Baton Rouge on Saturday. We'll see if there's any kind of last gasp for LSU there at all for obviously a Florida team that handled Vanderbilt easily this past week. If you like making picks, and we'll do some of these as a part of uh, Go With The Flow presented by RS Andrews on Friday on the Dog Nation video channels, but if you like making picks, I would say this week's slate of SEC games are as difficult to pick as anything you're going to see. You've got you just got to be really careful on weeks like this where you've got team that seemingly has something to play for Playing against a team that seemingly does not have much to play for. And you have to try to guess and see does this other side, like LSU, as I mentioned before, do they have that last gasp in them? Um, you know, are favorites gonna dominate in a week like this? Because in some cases it's favorites in relatively odd spots. A and M after after beating Alabama now they got to go on the road but the team they're going to Missouri has been awful this year there's a lot of speculating you have to do to make sense of some of the games here this week which makes the slate fun but I would say relatively difficult to predict LSU down another key playmaker after the stingley injury on defense and they get the bootay injury on uh, offense uh, boy what a mess in Baton Rouge And we'll find out how that impacts their game on Saturday. We'll make that your SEC through. And back here on uh, Dog Nation Daily. uh, Also, cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. All right, back on Dog Nation Daily here now. You heard Mike reference what Kirby Smart had to say a moment ago on the situation with JT Daniels, what he has done this week, what he hasn't done as much of this week. Here is Smart in his own words on kind of what they've seen from JT behind closed doors at practice this week. Take a listen to Kirby.
1: He got to throw a lot on uh, Monday. So, so uh, Monday he threw, I want to say, 30 or 40 balls. And he got upwards of uh, 30 yards, felt pretty good, took some snaps. Uh, we didn't do a whole bunch uh, Monday. We didn't do as much as we normally do. Uh, and then today um, he probably didn't do as much. And so uh, he was a little more limited. He took some snaps. He threw the ball some. But we're kind of going off Ron's protocol. He has him on pitch count uh, daily following that. And and we check and see if he swells or if he has any soreness after it. And good news is he hasn't had any uh, soreness the last two days, uh, not extensive soreness. And we were able to go back the next day and continue to get some. But he hadn't been able to do a whole lot, a little more than he did the week before.
0: So to me, the phrase I keep coming back to is, You hear this with basketball coaches, a lot of you heard this, where the coach is praised for being a master of real-time versus game-time substitution. Have you heard this before? Where it's like if you take a guy out near the end of a quarter that you may only miss a minute's worth of game time, but you can buy him, what, two or three minutes worth of actual real-time rest and... That just kind of creates a a healthier, more rested player when the next quarter begins. You can play him for a longer stretch because you take him out at the right time from a game-time standpoint to also buy him some extra real-time rest there as well. In basketball, this seems to come up a lot. Maybe there's a football version of that, too. But in basketball, that seems to come up quite a bit. In the case of Daniels here on Saturday, that seems like an obvious correlation, which is Stetson Bennett right now is playing really well. I don't want to make more of it than it is, nor do I want to make less of it than it is. Bennett, through his stellar play, and it was stellar on Saturday against Auburn. Bennett, through his stellar play, is buying you the freedom to rest Daniels more. And if he is better now than he was a week ago, then maybe he's better two weeks from now than he is right now. That that there is really, for the moment, George is a huge favorite on Saturday. I don't have a ton of fear in Kentucky. Uh, am I a little concerned about, you know, George's propensity to kind of struggle a little bit going into bye weeks? M- maybe a little bit. We'll talk more about that probably before the week is done. But when it comes to the specifics of the opponent, hope I'm not wrong, but as it stands right now, I don't have a ton of fear in what uh, Kentucky brings to the table. I feel confident that George can win that game with Stetson Bennett. So if I were counseling Kirby Smart I guess my counsel to him would be why don't you take advantage of some real-time rest opportunity for Daniels by giving him some more game time rest Saturday against Kentucky which works out to be how many weeks in a row of of, of Daniels not having to play of Daniels not having to, to to be out there in the hopes that when you get ready for Florida admittedly I would like for him to be playing before then but if he's healthier and more rested by then maybe it's time well spent. I mean, you heard Smart say this a moment ago, they're checking for swelling, but they're also checking for soreness. Hey, you threw 30 passes today or whatever. How do you feel now? And can you be a full go? Because to get the best of JT Daniels and the most of JT Daniels and the best of JT Daniels is pretty high standard. The most of JT Daniels is pretty prodigious. There's a lot he has to offer as a quarterback. But to get the best of Daniels, to get the most of Daniels, you've got to have him for the full week. You've got to have him be that full participant during practice. And maybe going into Florida, Smart will tell us that's what he's doing, or maybe he won't. Maybe he'll keep it a secret. But one way or another, to get the best of Daniels during the game, you got to have him be the best of himself during the week, both for his own preparation and the game plan, but also the team's ability to rally around its quarterback. That's the thing that Smart has said over and over again. And that's one of the things that Stetson Bennett has done well. He has allowed himself to be a focal point for the team to rally around because that's what quarterback kind of is and now as Daniels hopefully comes back to full health he gets a chance to do that too but I think based on the totality of everything that Smart said it starts during practice that Daniels has the chance to do that maybe going into the future here pain-free able to make all the throws and able to be that full participant in practice I would say and assume that's probably a pretty important part of this as Daniels works through what I know has been a frustrating situation for him. One more quick final word here. For my friends at the finish, long drink. Obviously, great time of year. I mean, the weather's just been so nice, and I, I love fall. And when you're outside in the fall, or when you're just hanging out, you know, front porch, back patio, or even inside. Uh, this time of year, the Finnish long drink goes well with that. I've told you before, I've had people tell me that when I say this, they thought I was saying the lawn drink, like L-A-W-N, but it's long, L-O-N-G, the Finnish long drink. It's delicious. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail that comes right out of a can. And what that means is you don't have to be a professional mixologist to put it together. It's got the great combination of flavors. You want the cranberry with the gin or you want the citrus. The blue can's like a citrus grapefruit type thing that goes with the, uh, you know, the nice, good liquor-kicked way that you kind of want it to have that's what the finished long drink provides for you. there's also a long drink zero and a long drink strong which is eight and a half percent alcohol by volume i can tell you this uh i I told you before my wife loves it and she's now like evangelized this to our entire neighborhood all the gals in the neighborhood seem to be really enjoying this uh very much now so it's just that kind of thing it's fun to drink tastes great and it's becoming very popular there in um our little uh domain so good stuff all the way around with the finished long drink. You can check some up for yourself. It's thelongdrink.com. You can find out where you can pick some up. Golf course near you, bar near you, restaurant near you, beverage store, whatever else, thelongdrink.com. You can find out a lot more about that today. So a very specific message as a part of our golden shoe for today. Typically, the golden shoe is our gator, hater, roll call, where we make fun of the Florida Gators. We love doing that, and you better believe there'll be a lot of that coming up starting next week as we roll for two weeks into the cocktail party. But also there's been chatter this week about, oh, George's number one, and that scares some people. Or, oh, George's got all this attention, and that's scary to some people. Our buddy Mad Dog, who's always such an effective communicator when it comes to these memes and Photoshop edits and things along those lines, I shared this as a golden shoe so it's the face of kirby smart with all the figuratively speaking guns pointed at him and that's what it kind of feels like right when you're on top as mad dog says everybody's gunning for you but you can see in the face of smart right there he's very comfortable in that spotlight very comfortable with that bullseye on his back and i think georgia fans should take smart's lead on all of that by the way speaking of the lousy stinking gators how about a gator Hater countdown 17 days from right now we'll see you tomorrow on dog nation daily talk to you then everybody and on the podcast time out the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take some of your comments and the best way to send these to me at twitter at dog nation daily on twitter or in the comments section when we post the show each and every day at dognation.com. Always love these comments. A lot of these related to the Jordan Davis for Heisman conversation we've been having and having some fun with. Uh, Smart's the man says Georgia placed one player in the first and second team preseason all SEC teams. It was Jordan Davis on first team. Interestingly enough, Alabama had three linebackers in the first team. Nakobe Dean finally showed up in the third team. Alabama had six players in the first team defense. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. You know, Alabama obviously rubbed that reputation with some of those preseason nods, and as we said in the offseason that Georgia would need to do they are now making their case in season for where it really matters most being on those end of season lists and right now you think Georgia's well on its way to being able to do that and as far as like why we kind of throw our candidacy behind Davis when there are other names you could mention part of this is as smarts the man points out you kind of already start with a little bit of a of a name recognition advantage here. You know, people did know Jordan at the beginning of the year. He made the decision to come back. He'd been a big part of the George defense the last couple of years. Got the big, gregarious personality. And so you're not starting from scratch when you talk about Jordan Davis in a situation like this. And so that works out pretty well. Another comment, uh, quarterback, receiver, running back, who happens to be on the best offense, usually wins the Heisman. Why not pick a defensive player, especially if that defense finishes at the clear-cut best unit in all of college football? I like it. Jordan Davis for Heisman. So I'm glad to see folks weighing in on this. And, you know, beyond just the Georgia part of this, because clearly we're partisans, and clearly part of this is just the fun of getting behind a UGA guy. But the larger point, is the commenter mentions there, it is totally appropriate to have defensive players be more a part of the Heisman discussion. That it would actually make it a more interesting debate each and every year if it really was, who is the best player? And to me, this is not MVP. Heisman Trophy is not MVP, right? If you wanted to do a college football MVP, you could do that. And I guess, you know, um, to some degree, you, know, you have that with some of the other stuff. But to me, this, who, out, who goes out there and, Does his job at the highest possible level week in and week out. It doesn't have to be a symbolic award all the time. Of well, this is the quarterback for the best team, so we're just going to give it to him because it's hard. It's too hard to vote for somebody else. There's something to be said for watching the games closely and talking about who plays the game well. Now, also in the case of Davis, admittedly, that some of this for us is a little bit symbolic in that you know Davis with his attitude, with the words that he's used. Is kind of one of those team first type guys, and if you're trying to celebrate a defense that's been the story of college football thus far, the most team first embodiment of that defense is the guy that ought to be the the face of it. But there's also something something to be said for college football is about more than just quarterbacks. College football is about the other 21 positions that are on the field in a given moment, at least for most of the game. And someone like Davis, or really any defensive player any year, ought to get more um, more consideration moose says there are some other folks out there in addition to ones that we talked about yesterday who are also kind of making their case for uh, jordan davis so that makes you feel pretty good you feel like you're kind of in on the ground floor on something that may swell a little bit more in the time to come so thanks for letting me have fun with y'all on all of this and i appreciate those of you who are also having fun with us on this so it is all a, a good time right now and hopefully that continues this saturday against kentucky appreciate you being here for our podcast cool down presented by rs andrews Check them out online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. Now that is what R.S. Andrews will do for you, and you can see them Friday as well as a part of Go With The Flow, presented by R.S. Andrews here on the Dog Nation video channels, too. Hope you have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow for more Dog Nation Daily. We'll look forward to talking to you then.